0: Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit HelloFreedomChurch.com. Everybody, it is great seeing all of you today. Beautiful morning and then have all having you all here together. Uh, as well, we just wanna say welcome to all of the online family, wherever you're gathered. Uh, maybe you're listening from a beat truck today. Very possible. Well, keep your eyes on the road, okay, and listen. But uh, as well, just to our uh, awesome Crookston family, we love you guys and excited what God is doing there. As you just saw this short video, uh, we're starting a brand new series entitled Greatness. Who do you think of when you think of someone that's great? The first person that comes to my mind is a guy by the name of Muhammad Ali, right? And the reason I think that is because he, he taunted, or well, he, he, he promoted himself as being great, right? Oh, I am the greatest. And I'm not sure that was accurate. Maybe you think of Michael Jordan, Tom Brady's called the goat, right? Maybe it's a musical icon, Elvis Presley, some other great musician. Perhaps it's some past or present military or political figure. Uh, what I was thinking about this last week is from the world's perspective, greatness is summed up in two words, ability and influence, Ability and influence—it's someone who possesses unusual ability and influence. Someone with far-reaching, unusual influence. And if you don't possess those two things—unusual ability or far-reaching influence—then greatness is something completely out of reach for you. Sorry. I mean, look look around today. Like like people like we're all pretty normal, right? We're pretty average, and so as I was thinking about this, this really felt drawn to this topic today, uh, and not just today, but for this whole, this whole series in these next weeks, and so if greatness is something that's, that's seemingly out of reach for most of us, then why should it even matter? I mean, I can't say that I walk around in my life saying, I want to be great. I want to be great. I mean, I I don't think that. I I don't, I don't, that's not what goes through my mind. And so if if that's not the case, like, why does it matter? Why would I get caught up in the pursuit of greatness? Because it all seems so elusive and so unattainable, this thought of greatness and yet to be very honest there is something that's wired so deeply inside of me and so entrenched within me that that it may not be greatness but 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 it may be i i would communicate in this way i want my life to count for something i don't want to just like live my life like this you know grow up go to school get to, get an education get get married get a job have kids and and then like like retire and then eventually pass away and like well yeah, he was a he was a nice guy. You know, that's—that's kind of it, though. That's kind of the—that's kind of what all could be said of him. I, I want—I want. There's something inside of me that wants to make a mark in the lives of other people. In fact, this—this this thought uh, is so pervasive. I believe that all of us would be able to identify with that. And although we're very unique from one another, right? Yet in it, there's this one thing that we possess and that's that we want our life to matter. And I was thinking about scriptures that talk about that. Psalms 90, 17, verse 17. Moses, in this psalm that Moses wrote, he says, let the favor of our Lord God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm or establish the work of our hands. Moses is praying, God, would you give permanence to what I do Lord, long after I'm gone, may there be a mark that I've left in this world. May you give permanence to what I do. Solomon says in the book of Ecclesiastes, it said that the Lord has set eternity in our hearts, a sense of eternity. And and, and the enemy, the devil, wants to try to do everything to uproot that sense, to remove eternity. It's all about today. It's all about now. Let's just live in pleasure. Let's live for the moment. Whatever if it feels good, just do it because like that's, that's what it's about. But the Bible says God set eternity in our heart. And part of that, I believe, is this, that long after we're gone, we wanna know that we've left a mark on eternity. Anybody identify with that today? Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that would be all of us. And so how does that happen? Well, the world says it happens through fame, money, social networking, holding positions of authority. That as is the case in most all areas. The Bible teaches us that it's something much much different than that. The world says greatness is tied to ability and influence the Bible says that greatness is directly tied to what? To serving, to servanthood. It's not all about ability and influence, but when the Bible looks at it, it's just like, as a little video says, it flips the script. It's much different. And so for these next weeks, what we're gonna be doing, we're looking at this thought of, of, of servanthood and serving. In fact, what I have have felt that the Lord is really directing us in is is along this this topic. This has not been something like, ah, what's a great idea? Let's talk about this. Uh, In fact, as a staff, a year ago in September, over a year now, 13 months ago, we went through a book, a pretty thick book, all about serving, and it took us nine months to go through this book. Every Monday, reading a chapter, sometimes not even just maybe a, a portion of a chapter, and we went through this book all about serving. We're presently going through another book that we've been going through. I'm not sure how long. I'd have to look back and see. That's really really relates in a very similar way about like jumping in and that God's provided everything that we need for us to be successful in his eyes. And again, it's all about serving. I just, I just think that God is really stirring us as a church to enter into this area in, 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 in a newfound way. There's so much tension on so many fronts, political, racial, I mean, so many areas. And God has placed the church. This is that I believe this with all my heart that God saw this and He says, here's the solution. It's gonna be, it's gonna be the church, it's gonna be the local church that's living, breathing, operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, representing the person of Jesus Christ in the world that we live. And it's gonna be, a big part of this is gonna be in this whole thought of serving, selflessly serving. The Bible teaches that it's all tied, greatness, leaving a mark, is all tied to serving and to servanthood. One day the disciples having a little bit of an argument. Well, and they were asking Jesus, Jesus, we really, would you do something was kind of a setup. They said, Jesus, would you do some, a favor for us? And how many know you're in trouble when somebody says, would you do me a favor without telling you what that is, right? They said, would you do, Jesus, would you do us a favor? And like, well, you know, depends on Mark 10, 42 says, calling them, the disciples, to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. Jesus says, It's normal to think that greatness is defined in positions and titles. You think greatness is defined in, in authority. The higher the title, the greater the person. The more authority a person has, the greater responsibility, the greater that person is. That's what you've been told. That's what you think. That's natural understanding. Verse 43, but it's not this way among you. That may be how it is at work. That may be how it is at the university. That may be how it is is, is in your sphere of influence and wherever it is you. But as believers, that's not how it is with you. The script is about to be just flipped. That's not how it is. Rather, whoever wishes to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be a slave of all. Jesus is saying, guys, like with the world system, it's, it, it's so much different. I see it's so much different than that. Greatness is not found in positions of authority or influence. I mean, in the world's eyes it may be. But... In the kingdom of heaven's eyes, it's all seen in serving. And the greatest is the one who serves. For even, verse 44, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. One of the most powerful, powerful verses of Scripture For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus expands on this thought in Luke chapter 22. Again, he's speaking and he says, who is greater? Luke 22, 27, who is greater? The one who reclines at the table. Uh, And that was, in in that culture, that was a posture of, of one like seated at a table, Like if you're at a restaurant or at a home, one seated. So who's greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves the table? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? He's saying, what you think is, it's the person that's seated at the table. But then he says, he flips the script, but I have come to you as one who serves. I love that. Who is greater, the one seated at the table making demands of the server, asking requests of the server, would you please wait on me, would you get this for me, uh, would you send this back because I don't like it, it's not prepared to my, uh, my liking, please send it back to the chef, bring this back to me. Who's the one giving the dictates? Who's the one giving the, the, the orders and the directions? Isn't it not the one that reclines, just sits at the table? He says, but I didn't come to you as that, I came to you as the servant. I came to you as a servant to serve. Think of the Last Supper. John 13, verse one. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knowing that his hour had come and that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So Jesus knows my time on this earth is just like the clock is just about done. It's just about ticking. I'm just about done. I'm about out of here. Knowing his time has come. So when, 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 you're, when you're God and you know your time on earth is about done, what do you do? During supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, so he knows that there's somebody at the table who's gonna betray you, will lead to your death. Jesus, verse three, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he'd come forth from God and he was gonna go back to God. He knows all things. He knows he's come from God. He's gonna go back to God. His hour is just about to be, what do you do? What Jesus did, he took out off his outer cloak, laid aside his garments. He took a towel. He wrapped a towel uh, around himself. He poured water in a basin. Verse five, he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And verse 12, and so when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table, he said to them, do you not know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet because I've given you an example that you also should do just as I did to you. Which is just mind-blowing, isn't it? When you think about it in terms of, of just humanness and like what's, what would be natural for us. Knowing that his time has come, takes off his outer cloak, wraps a towel around himself, grabs a basin of water, and all of the disciples, all of those disciples, including Judas, gets down on his knees and he begins to wash their feet, knowing, my, I'm just about to go to heaven. Rather than, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set the record straight here or I'm gonna do something that's really, like, kingly. Rather, they close themselves with a towel and washes his feet. And let me just say this, if there's one thought that would be my desire that you would walk away with today, it would be this. If it's your heart to be like Jesus, then an indispensable, non-negotiable characteristic of being like Jesus is that you, that I, would be a servant. There is no substitute for that. You can't say, I wanna be like Jesus, but I'm gonna live for myself. I'm gonna be, it's about serving me. It just doesn't work that way. It's gonna be, where's opportunities for me to serve? How can I serve? Where's situations in my home, in my marriage, with my children, with my mom and dad, when I'm at school, when I'm in the dorm room, when I'm at the cafeteria, when I'm at the at the restaurant, when I'm at the grocery store, where's opportunities that that, that, that I could be a servant? God, because I really want to be like you. So God, I'm looking for opportunities that I can serve, not myself, Lord, not so I can be served and like like this is what I deserve. This is what I've earned. This is my rights, this is my prerogatives, this is my privilege, but to say, Lord, what can I do to serve? It's to use our resources, our talents, our abilities, our time, whatever that is to serve another person. That's the mark of greatness. That's the mark of greatness. And so today, really, the question is very simple. What is it that you possess that you can use to serve another person? What is it that you possess? Again, I what I sense as we've been going, this has been more of a, like a, almost a, a year-long, well, a little over a year-long process now for us as a staff in these next, these next weeks through Thanksgiving Sunday, uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, looking at these topics. There's a couple weeks in between. We're going to just kind of veer a little to something a little bit different, but then coming right back to it. But I'm just praying, God, would you just, would you just fill us with just your character and your heart, oh God, that in the middle of the, this world, Lord, may we gird ourselves with a towel. Lord, may we take out our cloak of, 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 of whatever it is, God, lay aside those things, and may we fill the basin, and God, would you use us to serve our neighbors and our family and our friends and our church members. And whoever those areas, those individuals are in the area of influence. I don't know if any of you are baseball followers, okay? I know one is. Okay, I don't know anybody else, but this last week was a monumental week in MLB, Major League Baseball. And if you follow baseball, you know what I'm talking about. Because there's this guy that's six foot seven inches that plays for the New York Yankees, whose name is... Aaron Judge, that's right. I read a little story about Aaron Judge that just kind of like, wow, this week. Uh, this week he hit, and uh, season's over, but he, he broke Roger Maris's record. Who? Roger Maris from Fargo, interesting, but he, uh, enough, but he broke the, ho- the single season home run record when he hit his 62nd home run. And I know there's others from some years ago that hit some more, but there's an asterisk beside their name, right? And I don't count those guys, okay? You know what I'm talking about because there was happens to be some performance enhancing uh, elements involved in, in some of that. But, but Aaron Judge hit a 62nd home run beating Roger Maris's record of 61. When I was reading a little bit about, uh, about, about Aaron Judge's life, I thought it was so interesting that, that upon birth, for whatever reason, it was, was not a long article, but for some reason Aaron Judge was given up for adoption. And it was soon after that, almost immediately what it seemed like from the article, that, that the Judge family, that's their last name, adopted Aaron Judge into their family and they raised him to be a believer and a follower of Jesus. And I think of this couple that just said, you know what? Life would probably be a little easier without this. But we got some time and we got a home and we have got a lot of love to give. Let's, let's, let's welcome this little baby in. And I know that in this church, there are numerous people that, that are involved in foster care and in adoption. And I think that's incredibly awesome to say, I will serve this one person. I think it's Amazing thinking of a couple, a man that I met a number of years ago when we were, we were actually youth pastors in a church in Minot. And a, a man walked into the church, and he wasn't from there. I didn't know him, but I ended up meeting him. And, and he said, I live in the Black Hills. And he says, we own, uh, we own this, this housing area of having a bunch of cabins in the Black Hills. And if, if you and your family would ever like to come and stay there, you would be welcome to do that. I'm like, Really? And so, and then we moved close to the Black Hills. And how many years did we go there, honey? Yeah, maybe 20 different times we went to this place that this man said, we would like to have you come and stay here. We've got these homes and you'd be welcome to come to it. And although we were, I mean, we weren't making a lot of money, if I could say, be honest with you. But when we went on a vacation, we stayed in this huge cabin with fireplaces in the bedrooms, okay? And with this jacuzzi and whirlpool and pool table and foosball table and like everything with this panoramic view that looked out over all the black hills. And when our three kids come home now and they're married and have their own kids, the, 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 the in-laws, our daughter-in-laws, are kind of tired because of this because what happens is that, hey, let's bring out those videos from we went to those cabins, you remember that? And they're like, sure. We've looked at them like how many times now, Uh, uh, but but like like wow. I mean, like that something was so impacting and for like amazing. My wife, if I can brag just a little bit, is is as you know is just. I mean, she started taking piano lessons at five years of age, and when she was in seventh grade, she started playing uh, for worship in the church because music is something a part of her and it was some years ago that she felt God was saying Mary wanted to use you to use some of your music to bless people that are hurting and so she got this idea what would it be like if I we went to the Cancer center on Altrus campus and just begin to play piano as people are coming going from their treatment and I know it's been some time now because of just things that have developed in in, in, in our lives but 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 I, I remember going there one time and sitting there she says no don't, don't you don't have to come as I know I want to come so I just sat in the back of the waiting room as she gets this beautiful Beautiful, beautiful grand piano and just begins to play hymns and begins to play just well-known you know classical songs and as people would come in I remember watching the nurses in the corner one nurse begins to weep she begins to cry another nurse comes up and begins to embrace her and people come in with tears like I don't know what was happening but it's just like this person says I'm kind of I'm musical maybe I could use this to bless other people incredibly amazing <laughs> I think of a man that, that, that was in church when we pastored in South Dakota that was a paratrooper in the military and through, through, his, through his, his, his activity, he had become disabled and walked with a cane and struggled to get around. But, but he says, would it be okay if I would just come to church every Saturday and mold the lawn on the church's riding mower? And you know, when, when you're pastoring in a small church, you do all of it, right? And I'm like, are you serious, Bob? Like, yeah, could I, like, absolutely. like, And it was just, it, it was amazing. It, it was amazing. Last year, you know, with the holly dazzle, and we open up our, our this building and, and and the Ember Building across the street, and we have somewhere, I think it was like 85 different volunteers, something like that. 75 to 185, I think is with the number of volunteers. And as kids and families pour into this place, and like, like, It's just amazing to see people with T-shirts on, like, how can we serve you? What can we do to help? And like, in in my opinion, I mean, I think that's something just like blesses the heart of God. I think it's something that, that God takes incredible delight in. I think of right now, up on the third floor, with all the kids, in both services, there's gonna be probably I don't know, there's gonna be close to 100 people in these next couple hours that's gonna be going through that third floor of the kids' ministry, workers and whatnot. But I think of those workers right now, how many moms and dad are glad that people are volunteering to take care of your kids at this moment? We got some hands lifted really high right now, like ooh, ooh, yeah, pick me, pick me. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? What an incredible blessing. I think of people that provide meals for, for new moms or for those that are in transition or whatever it may be. And, and people have made, made mention like that. You don't know what that has meant, and how, how, how big of a blessing that has been. Greatness is found in just forgetting about ourselves and serving another person, it is an indispensable quality in becoming like Christ. So I'm gonna ask the band if they would just come to the front today, please. And just prepare with that song that you have prepared. There's just one other passage of scripture that I want to, to, to read. It's Philippians chapter two, starting in verse five. Paul says, have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I want your attitude to be the one that's just like in Christ Jesus, who although he was existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking upon him the form of a bond servant. He became a servant, and being made in the likeness of man, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason also, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, verse ten, every knee will bow, those who are in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And like, wow, that's the life of Jesus. And if you would join me in praying, God, may that be our life as well. May we live a life of service, a life of service. We're going to do something at this moment. If you guys would just begin to play, John, that would be awesome. And. Crookston as well. We're going to take a moment. Uh, Thanks, Pastor Joel. You guys can go your own direction at this moment. We're going to go our direction as well here. In just a moment, we have men and women that are going to come to the front with communion elements. They're going to turn your way and they're going to serve you communion. When we partake of communion, we do so Oftentimes, with there's a theme, maybe it's a second coming, maybe it's healing, maybe it's restoration, maybe it's reconciliation, maybe it's forgiveness. There's there's many different themes that we can talk about in communion. But today, what I think of is Philippians 2 that says that that Jesus emptied himself of all rights and privileges, prerogatives, just says, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. As we partake of the communion today, that we would just say, God, Lord, I wanna be like you. Lord, you're the one I wanna be like. God. And Lord, bring us to a new place of selflessness in a place that's filled with your presence and your spirit that wants to exhibit your character to the people that are around us today. There's nothing that, that 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 counteracts just rebellion, that counteracts hate, that counteracts just vengeance, like a humble servant. I've come to serve. I've come to serve. And so today, it's so great having all of you here today. But just before we just participate of communion, I just want you to know that God loves you. And when he came into this world, I know it doesn't make sense. Logical things. But the God of this world loves you so much that he serves, came to serve you. And what that means is this in a very practical way, that our sin damned us to hell. Because of our sin and our rebellion, our selfishness, because of our our desire for lust and power and whatever, we sinned against God. And in the middle of our sin, Romans says that well, like while we were yet sinners, that God sent His Son and He died for us and He took our sin on Him when He went to that cross, so that we could be forgiven. And if you've never if you've never accepted that love today, I would encourage you to do that. It's simple. You just as, as we participate together, you're welcome to participate with us. As you just as you just pray a prayer of repentance and say, "God, forgive me. I'm so sorry for my sin, Lord. I'm sorry for what I've done. God, I want to live for you from this moment on for the rest of my life, God. Lord, come into my heart. Make me a new person. As you just pray, just pray from your heart. What's what's there? He'll come in. He'll come in. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.